Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 27 of Season 5 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Duncan Shields of Chronologically Speaking. Welcome Hello. back. Welcome back, Duncan. <laughs> Sorry. Hello there. Welcome back. You I'm always jump the gun. That's fine. <laughs> I do. I do. Nothing wrong with that. It, it it shows your excitement. It shows that you want to talk about this, that you want to be here, yes. you know. And it shows that we've got an unidentified stiff here. You know, these these type of things. Just it's the way it works. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so minute twenty seven begins with the facts getting ready to be sent, and ends with John mouthing a thank you. So we finished things yesterday. John uh, finally decided to wake up and smell the the Coke of the nineties. That's right. As, as as we've established that that's what that's what he's smelling. Yeah. And you know they, they, he decides that he's sending a fax to Al of the fingerprints that that he you know took from Cochran's body the you know last week. And this minute begins with uh, the rent a car girl from budget sending the facts. Now I find it really interesting. I've, I think I might've mentioned this in the past, but you know, for all the airlines, they use fake airlines for obvious reasons, but they still use the budget rent-a-car. I guess maybe because she's actually, you know, polite and nice and whatever. Uh, yeah. And I think it's also just advertising like product placement, you know, <sighs> Like, yeah, I think there's something about ground transportation versus air transportation that, like, it's just uh, just another thing. Like, what was the – in planes, trains, and automobiles, was that budget as well? No, that was they, – they, that one they had to have a fake one. Oh, that was a fake one. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. yeah. So that, that wasn't they, hurt. They couldn't use a real <laughs> one. <laughs> no, okay. I don't think any rent-a-car company was willing to let them uh, unleash yeah. 17 f bombs within a minute. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's because she's uh, she's a nice nice girl. Yes. So I mean, basically, we 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 get a little more exposition here uh, at this point because John sends to says to to Al over the phone, "I'm sending you something now." And then Powell goes, "Hold on a second, cowboy." <laughs> it's funny that he calls him cowboy. Yeah. You know, that's another callback to, to the original movie. And then we see him starting to, he gets up, starts to leave the room, and then goes back to his desk in order to grab his Twinkies. We see that he put the phone, he puts the phone on hold as he's doing, or he's pressing a button on the phone, which we're assuming is he's putting it on hold. But, you know, we find out in a few seconds that what he's doing is he's actually transferring the call. You know, but I yeah, like the fact I, that he runs back just to, you know, <laughs> to go and, and, and pick up the, the Twinkie stuff in his mouth yeah it's pretty good you know but then when he walks out of the door you can actually see his nameplate on the door so yes he has moved up in the world as the script said because he does have his own office you know it does say sergeant ah, powell right. okay well that makes more sense because his assistant here with the pretty amazing mustache and uh little wavy kind of a wavy hairdo here kind of like the green goblin or whatever it's a pretty pretty amazing looking Yes, dude. Uh, I was wondering. He's. I. I couldn't find him listed uh, on IMDb. If that's what you're looking I, for. I guess if Powell has his own office, then this must be his secretary. Because the mystery for me is 
he hangs up the phone, he presses the button and hangs up the phone and then walks out of his office. And then this mystery man just hands him the phone that already has McLean on it. And there's no communication. No, of, but maybe he forwarded the call to him and therefore he knows that, that that's that he's coming. You know, he, he does come into the room pretty quickly. Yeah, so I imagine this is uh, something that's happened a lot. This is him transferring a call to the phone by the fax machine, and uh, this, his his uh, his helper here knows knows what to do. But I, also, this in the background here, we've got L.A., and I guess this is an actual office in L.A. The way it was lit and everything, I thought maybe it was green screen, but that looks like they're actually shooting in an office in uh, in the corner. It, it does look that way. But we can also be thankful that, you know, if this is Powell's secretary, so we should be yeah. thankful that, you know, they didn't use the same secretary that, that we saw last week with uh, Lorenzo, because Lorenzo's secretary was a porn star. Um, oh, my, my. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, was, it was her first real acting gig. You know, and after that, she became a porn star. So, yeah. So, actually, with this mustache, you never know. Maybe this guy, maybe yeah. that's where this guy was going on. So. Absolutely. The two of them. The two of them got into it afterwards. Could be. Anything is possible. You see that he's got, like, a Twinkie stuffed in his mouth as he's answering the phone. Yeah. And then he, he you know, pulls it out, pulls it out of his mouth and goes, fingerprints? You know, like, why are you sending me fingerprints? That's more or less what he's saying. <laughs> yeah. And then John goes, well, we, we've got an unidentified stiff here. I've circled the worlds in pen in case the transmission is fuzzy. Running through state and federal, and if you can, Interpol. So it got me thinking about, you know, like the whole idea of, of first of all, use of the term stiff. Oh, okay. How far back do you think that slang term goes? Uh, as, as, as far back as rigor mortis, I would, I would assume. <laughs> right. So a stiff is basically slang for a corpse. Okay, and the the earliest notation that that I found for it was in a book from 1823. That was a classic dictionary of the vulgar tongue. Ah, the vulgar tongue. Yes, and it is. It says stiff ones of no use, a dead man. <laughs> well, there you go. I'm shocked that it's that recent. I would assume that a stiff would be they'd be using that in Babylon, you know, like that, really? that strikes me as a as an old an old old term because it's it's a it's a defining characteristic. You could call them a cold one or a stiff one. I would imagine goes back. No, but those, those, when you say a cold one or a stiff one, you're usually talking about a drink. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true too. Well, that's one thing I'm actually more. A cold one is like the temperature of a beer, but I'm kind of more curious about the etymology of a stiff drink. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I didn't look that up. I, I, I saw it. I did no, I see it along the way, but but I didn't go into that because I was trying to find more information specifically about a stiff referring to a, a corpse. Fair. You know, it, it's funny that, they, they're, that, that they're referring to this very nonchalantly, you know, talking about uh, a, a yeah. you know. <laughs> Especially since, you know, Carmine thinks it's just uh, punk steel and luggage, you know, but for him to say, you know, we've got an unidentified stiff here, you know, so yeah, it's yeah. an interesting way to, to put it. So fingerprints, right? What what do you know about yeah. fingerprints? Uh, I know that there's a couple of people in the world who don't have them. There's like three or four people in the world who don't have them. And people are like, 
oh, well, they should get into being criminals because they wouldn't ever be caught. And it's like, no, there's three or four people in the world that don't have them. <laughs> so the list of suspects would be very short indeed. That's true. Like, oh, yeah. Right, 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 right. That's true. So, but they're, right. they're good for, I know that uh, cows have uh, snout prints because they're just as unique. Um, I've heard that actually, <laughs> this is, you know, whatever, stuff I wish I didn't know, but apparently everyone's uh, anus has a unique <laughs> signature layer of layering of folds uh, that can be used to Thank you for that information. I, I, I don't know where I'm going to ever use that again. But, <laughs> I don't know. But thank you. I don't you. know either. <laughs> but in terms of like identifying characteristics, I know that um, fingerprints are kind of up there with lie detectors and that they're not as reliable as people thought they were um, because of the, the partials that people get and the, the errors in recording. Um, so they, they, they can be used as part of uh, the totality of the evidence that's gathered, but I don't think that they, are, they aren't as leaned on as heavily as is portrayed in most movies. Okay, so a fingerprint is an impression left by the friction ridges of the human finger. Okay, and moisture, the oils, right? That's right. The oils moisture and grease on the finger result in fingerprints on surfaces such as glass or metal. Um, human fingerprints are detailed, nearly unique, difficult to alter, and durable over the life of an in individual, making them suitable as long-term markers of human identity. Okay, right. But, but as you said, there are people who don't have it all. But but it, what's really cool is the fact that there are, you know, billions of people in the world, and even if you go back in time and think about it, there, you know, the fact that that every single person's fingerprints are are slightly different. You know, yeah. it's not something that that's uh, you know that that's at all um, you know hereditary or anything like that. You know, if you have a fingerprint, the odds are there is nobody who has an, a fingerprint uh, like you. And the fact that all ten of your fingers are very similar, also, you know, uh, actually, I don't even know that. Are all ten supposedly similar, or all ten are unique? Are. So that 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 would I think all, you, all ten all ten are unique. All ten are unique separately, right? Uh, yeah. Have you checked to see? Do you have toe prints? I I, I don't know. I don't know either. I'm not <laughs> I've, sure never I've never looked. I've never looked. I imagine not, because they're pressed on the ground all the time and they rub around on the ground all the time. I think friction probably does away with prints no, but, that may or may not. But they do say, the but they do say it's very difficult to get rid of your prints. You know, you can't. It's you know just because you you're. You're working hard and you have calluses on your fans or whatever it is. It's not as if your fingerprints are going to go away. So I don't know how to, that works with with football. Well, unless you uh, you shave them off, like uh, John Doe and Seven. If you, right, uh, you which apparently which apparently is very very painful and difficult to do. <laughs> I can so imagine. I, yeah. I, I don't really have much of a desire to try to do something like that. But if no. if you want to be our guinea pig, go right ahead, Duncan. Let me know how it goes. I think if I was going to do that, it'd be a lot quicker to do it with a uh, automatic sander. That would just be like a, a, you know, two seconds of awful pain and then you're done instead of the slow shaving that we see in the opening credits of Seven. I don't think I could deal with the slow shaving. <laughs> I think that's true. I'd want, can... I'd, I'd rather want a, a just a, a blast of intense pain before right. my, or yeah, like they do in uh, the beginning of Men in Black or when uh, the montage of Will Smith becoming an agent in Men in Black. He just puts his hands on the side of this silver orb and there's a flash of light and he screams. And uh, then they're gone. Technology. 
technology. <laughs> That's right. So a um, do you know that the name of like the study of fingerprint identification? There are there are uh, three name there are three names here. It did, but I don't anymore. Okay, so the first one is a simple one: handprint identification. Mm-hmm. Okay, then you have uh, uh, dactyloscopy. Hey, there we go, dactyl, good old, good old dactyl, polydactyly. There we That's go. right. And then the other one is regiology. Ha! <laughs> really? Yep. Regiology. Regiology. That's yep. so hilariously literal. I uh, I have a hard time believing that's the actual term for it. That's fantastic. I don't know. That's what that's what I found in uh, Wikipedia. So it's like uh, what do you call it in um uh oh gosh what was that? There was a firefight. Willem Dafoe movie. The two brothers, Boondock Saints. Mm. Willem Dafoe in the in the bit in the room when he's like the, there's that detective with. Uh, a really complicated last name, one of those like uh, sort of Eastern European names with like four consonants in a row. And he's like, well, thank you, Mr. Shuspesic. Uh, and he's like, whoa, you pronounced my name correctly. You're you're the first person to get it right on the first try. And Willem Dafoe's like, well, that's because I'm an expert in nameology. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, rich ridgeology okay that's that's great that's great. and then so he talks about circling the worlds which i don't know how that really helps case the well, he says, but yeah i don't know he says whirls and i think he means whorls yes because the, the actual term is whorls but uh right well it's spelled I, in the in the script or in the sorry in the subtitles it's spelled w-h-o-r-l-s yeah yeah that's right whorls yeah right so, you know, but he, what, does, what does he know? He just calls them worlds. You know, that's it. maybe it's the, I wonder if it's the same with whirlpools, if they were actually whirlpools and then they became whirlpools. Uh, that I don't know. <laughs> I, I did not check that out. <laughs> and and then uh, Powell says to him, we'll do. Well, what's this all about? You know, it, it, it's good to have a friend, you know, that, that that's willing to do these <laughs> things without without really asking what you have to do. Yeah. <laughs> and then John says, oh, just a feeling I have. Ouch. When you get those feelings, insurance companies start to go bankrupt. Ha, 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 ha. Listen, the uh, fax is, fax number is, and then the uh, budget girl uh, chimes in and goes, on the top of the transmission. And John says, on the top of the transmission you got. He goes, oh, an airport, huh? You're not pissing in someone's pool, are you? And he goes, yep. Yeah. And I'm fresh out of chlorine. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah. So no, it's 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 a nice uh, callback to to his conversation last week with Carmine, where Carmine says that you know I'm the big fish and you're in my pond. So you know it's just a different way of looking at it. Yeah, and and that's pretty much uh, the the way this minute ends. But uh, one of the things that that was that I was found interesting is you know they talk about uh, you know uh, chlorine in pools and stuff like that. So, yeah, the, you know, I, f- I found that there are different ways to keep a pool, you know, nice and uh, sanitary and clean. You know, there, there, there are two basic ways that you would do it. You know, you have the, the filtration system, which removes any type of you know, organic waste on a daily basis by using sieve baskets inside the skimmer. Sea baskets? No, sieve, sieve baskets. Oh, sieve. Okay, okay, that sieve. makes more sense. All right, cool. Sieve, sieve. <laughs> 
Could be a Steve, isn't it? Is it only is it only pronounced a sieve? I don't know. No, no, I just thought it was like a, a sea basket, which I'm like, I have no idea what that is. Like sea biscuit, like sea basket. I don't know. But sieve. <laughs> yes, sieve it's a baskets, horse. Yeah. They sure. use a horse from the early 1900s, <laughs> yes. from the 1930s, in order to to, yeah. to, to keep your every pool uh, sanitary. Yes. <laughs> and then the second thing you have is disinfection, which is where you basically use. Uh, chlorine or some other type of disinfectant to kill microorganisms in the pool. I mean, growing up, we had a pool in our house, so I'm very familiar with these type of things. You know, you, I would always have to clean uh, the skimmers, and you know, I don't know if I had to put in chlorine. That I don't remember if I had to do. No, I think I just had to always clean the pool. You know, clean out the, the skimmers with whatever gunk they they caught up, and and then you'd have like the net that you'd have to pick stuff up from also at the same time. So. Makes sense. Yeah. Do you have anything else for this minute? I do. Uh, I have three things. The first one is that Powell tells, sorry, McLean tells our good friend Powell, who works in records in some police office in uh, L.A., to run it through state and federal, and if he can, run it through Interpol. Yeah. And I don't know what kind of international superpowers um, regular cop Powell has to be able to just uh, like, well, OK, first of all, that. Fast no, maybe they through. maybe they have a database that, that connects to all of these things. So why not? Well, because and my, my understanding in terms of, you know, legal and uh, jurisdiction you know kind of stuff like that is you know there's not uh, there's not just some database somewhere that's hooked into like interpol state federal where you can just say here's some prints and expect a, a response five minutes later that scours the whole world for everybody's well especially in 1990 i think it takes a little bit longer <laughs> uh, yeah like I, I don't even know if they have that now like you got to get permission to look through interpol you got to get permission to look through federal especially if you're just officer joe blow from uh from some from some mild office and that fax came through quick that's yeah. another thing too is like, i'm like um and also uh faxes you know, he says he's like you said, he circled the walls in case the transmission's a little fuzzy. I have no idea why circling anything would make it more clearer. He doesn't have a enhanced button in the middle of his of the way he circles things. Right. And also, aren't fingerprints all quarrels? Like pretty much. Like that's the that's the whole. But I guess there's some in the center and some on the side or whatever. Yeah. But I have extreme doubts. I don't believe for a second that the fax technology of 1990 is good enough to accurately transmit hastily taken fingerprints off of a body uh, enough so that he can like fax them to Powell and then Powell's gonna fax them to somewhere else and then then, <laughs> then they're gonna actually get a positive ID. I mean, they, they, Well, movie fiction, be... come on. You gotta... Oh, oh it's belief. movie fiction. <laughs> oh, for sure, it's movie fiction because that's uh, not gonna not gonna happen. Yeah. And then the other thing is that uh, I remember a thing to do to break somebody's fax machine was called the black loop of death, where you get a, a couple of sheets of black construction paper, and you fax that to somebody, and then you tape like three or four pieces of black construction paper together. And you start faxing them, and then as the uh, first one comes out, you bend it over and tape it 
to the last piece of paper. So it creates just this endless loop of solid black paper <laughs> being faxed to somebody, and it makes their fax machine run out of toner in uh, about five, you know, like two minutes. And why, <laughs> so why would could, someone do this? Because they, because they hate the person they're faxing. It's, a, it's a, it was like a fax prank, a fax curse, a way to totally mess up somebody's fax machine if you wanted to, uh, to make it run out of ink like immediately was you just fax them the black loop of death okay sort of a an analog way to do that but the uh the third thing i wanted to talk about uh is that this is a phone call from a clearly insane person this uh this phone call that powell <laughs> is getting is from a person who is crazy who is delusional uh you know he's like i'm at a budget rent-a-car booth in the airport here's fingerprints from a dead body i want you to check the whole world and see if they are you know wanted and uh also i'm messing with the local cops here lol like i'm like you're you're, you're getting a phone call from somebody who is not well yes this is not, but, but you know we know that he's actually telling the truth here that's the irony of it all oh <laughs> uh, yeah well that's the thing though even if he is these facts by themselves are uh terrifying yes. they are not they are not they're not these are not these are not the the facts you would receive from a rational professional person well these it's are, these, these like Come on. <laughs> ex, oh no for sure for sure i just uh this 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 moments in this movie where i mean well we'll get into it later but there's moments in this movie where i'm like um okay my my sense of immersion is is being destroyed but i i'm, I'm still having a good time Yes, I know it's supposed to be an exaggeration, but uh, dear me, you know, so that and this this is the beginning of that chain of like, OK, this this is not a phone call that should have Powell going, you know, maybe he's uh, bored. Oh, ha -ha, maybe maybe he's bored. <laughs> no, but Powell's Powell's proper reaction here should be, you know, have you stopped taking your meds? Is everything OK? You know, do you need to call somebody? You know, or, like this or maybe is, Powell says, OK, you've been for one day with your in-laws. I can understand it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, you really have been stretched past the breaking point, haven't you, John? Yeah. Could be, could be. Right, and so then right before the minute ends, John hangs up the phone and very stupidly um, starts uh, flirting even more with, with his budget girl and, like, uh, you know, mouths the word thank you to her. Yes. You know, not the smartest thing for a married man to be doing. No. Um, very flirty, little too flirty, little too flirty for sure. Yeah. Okay. So the script has a few minor discrepancies, nothing, nothing major here. Right. So he, he says McLean Powell says fingerprints. And then McLean goes from a stiff down here at Dulles. I marked the worlds with, with a pen in case the transmission's fuzzy. Can you run that through state and federal for me? Throw an Interpol if you got it. Will do. What's this about? I don't know. Just a feeling. Ouch. You get those feelings. Insurance companies start to go bankrupt. The fax number is at the top of the end of the edge of the transmission. He just got. So basically, it's pretty much the same. You know, and, but uh, instead, instead of him saying, uh, I'm fresh out of chlorine, he says, break out the chlorine. So I don't know. Uh, I see. I don't know. Little, little, little strange for that. But all right. We'll, we'll give him that one. Yeah. Right. All right. So every Tuesday, we have a segment called Disaster Tuesday, 
where basically we, we will discuss some sort of uh, airplane disaster that, that happened, uh, you know, over the last uh, century or so. And what I try to do is I try to find some sort of uh, connection between my guest and this particular, uh, you know, uh, crash. It's usually usually deals with somebody who's famous that uh, unfortunately perished in some sort of, uh, um, you know, air disaster. So do you know the name? You probably do. I didn't know it before I did the search. But do you know someone named Peter Eric James Prentice? Huh. It's kind of ringing a bell. Okay, he was he was the premier of Alberta. I I know that that uh, that you're in British Columbia, but uh, I don't know. Maybe you would know. Oh uh, yeah yeah yeah. No no no. I I had no idea. Yeah, P. E. James Prentice. I see. Yes. No. So he he passed away uh, in a plane crash on October thirteenth, twenty sixteen. He and three others okay. were 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 flying after they they took off from British Columbia. They they took off from a place called. Kelowna? Kelowna, Kelowna. yeah, Kelowna. Kelowna, it's, <laughs> Kelowna yeah. It's, okay. It's spelled differently than it's pronounced, I guess. Kelowna, uh, British yeah, Columbia. Yeah. They were on their way from Kelowna to Calgary, and uh, they had just spent the day golfing in Kelowna. They, they, they you know, they, they, they flew across. How, how far is, is Alberta from, how far is Calgary from, from Vancouver? Uh, Calgary from Vancouver is about a, if I, if I remember correctly, it's about a 14-hour drive, uh, 14-15-hour drive. Um, it's probably like an hour and a half, two-hour flight. Yeah. Okay, that that's pretty far to be going just to play golf. I don't know. Well, that's uh, that's that's politicians for you. Yeah, Kelowna's Kelowna's uh, because of its spelling is a little a little different because it's from a First Nations Indigenous word mm. meaning uh, grizz, grizzly bear. Grizzly bear. Okay. Yeah. Right. So uh, apparently Prentice and three others were, were flying and the plane crashed and nobody really knew what happened. And even after uh, a year and a half, when they, they, they did a, a um, you know, investigation, the whole thing, and they, they couldn't find any conclusive reason for the crash. But they claimed that it was likely that the pilot had experienced spatial disorientation shortly after takeoff, having had little experience flying at night. Oh shoot! Yeah, when there's when you can't see anything out the windows, I imagine it's real easy to uh, yeah. to mess things up. I know it just sounds a little strange to to you know to say well we couldn't find anything but let's just blame the pilot anyway. Yeah, you know, that, that seems kind of arbitrary. Yeah, it's a little little it's a little unfair, I guess you can say because it's not like they have any real it looks proof like of it. The, the pilot had a, a case of the crashies. Yeah, you know, like it just seems yeah he experienced spatial disorientation. So uh, yeah, it must, case be, must have been him. Must have been him. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of like with the latest SpaceX launch when they said that you know it exploded just after taking off, and uh, I think um, someone tweeted that it had experienced uh, rapid unscheduled disassembly. There you go. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sure. So he, he experienced spatial disorientation. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. All right. So, uh, Duncan, you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, you can go to TorontoLogicallySpeaking.com or just look for TorontoLogicallySpeaking. Uh, or you can go look for me on the Time Bandits Minute with me and Curtis. We're, we're taking note on uh, Time Bandits Movie by Minute. That's always fun. Or just look for By Duncan Shields uh, and all your favorite um, social media outlets. All right. And uh, while you're doing that, you go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher you might be using to listen to the show. Finding me is 
quite simple. All you have to do is a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter, or you can find me on my website, movierobminute.com. So, until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay! Yippee-ki-yay! If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages here and there, 